The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Um, so I'll, what I want to talk to you tonight is spiritual leadership. And the title of the message is Loving Your Wife. And a little bit of a, uh, a, little bit of a uh, disclaimer or caveat. Um, those of you who were here last Sunday at 11 o'clock, Brother Dalton preached on uh, much of the same scripture in Ephesians 5 as well as 6. I am going to be um, teaching from Ephesians 5. However, I think that you'll find the content of the message as well as the focus of the message is quite a bit different. So I believe that you'll get something out of it. I know I was tremendously blessed by putting this study together. Pastor says I, I'll get the most out of it. That is so true. I think I have gotten the most out of it. So, all right. So without further ado, um, if you could open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to be looking at verses 22 through 33. And this section of Scripture is, is often preached from in regards to wives and husbands. And for those of you who maybe aren't a wife or a husband yet, but you want to be someday, this is a good Scripture for you as well, our teenagers and so forth, our young adults. All right, Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, I'll go ahead and read it to you. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. That is, the one man God has placed over you as your head. As unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. And that is not referring to the husband, but I think referring to Christ exclusively there. Verse 24, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, as the church is accountable and submissive to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, by the word of God, and in particularly through the gospel bringing salvation to the recipients of the gospel. Verse 27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And this is speaking of the glorified future church in heaven, the perfect spotless church. Verse 28, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh. Now, you may not love everything about yourself, but I'm willing to guarantee that you make sure that you take care of yourself, right? That you feed yourself, that you nourish yourself, that you take care of your, your needs. The Bible is on to say, But nourish it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And this speaks to our union and communion with Christ. We are members of Christ's body, Berean Baptist Church. 
Verse 31, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you, husbands, in particular, so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. And of course, that means respect and honor to her husband, both publicly as well as privately. So I extracted my, my outline from a book by John MacArthur that I read some time ago, actually, called Being a Dad Who Leads. And if you've ever been to one of the Pioneer campouts, you've probably heard me mention that book before, because I've done a couple other lessons that are attributable to that book on uh, dads, right, and, and fathers being leaders, spiritual leaders in their home. The first message that I did at Pioneer Camp, and essentially because Pioneer Camp's coming right around the corner, right, was called God's Pattern and Call for Leadership. And the next in the series was What Makes a Man a Man According to the Scriptures. And now, in this third installment of the series, I would like to focus upon the God-given command and responsibility for the husband to love his wife. But before we do that, it's extremely important and fundamental to understand the husband's responsibility of leadership in the home. So let's take a look at that first. Beginning with Adam and Eve, God designed the marital relationship between a man and a woman as the first human institution making marriage and, by extension, the family the foundational basic building block of society. It is within the marital relationship that the Lord clearly provides us with his pattern for leadership. By God's will and design, the husband is the head of the family, as Christ is the head of the church. In 1 Corinthians 11.3, I'll wait a second if you want to turn there. 1 Corinthians 11.3, The Bible says, But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God, meaning God the Father. Christ incarnate is man and our mediator, needing to willingly subordinate himself to the Father. In order to redeem us, Philippians 2.8 tells us, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Christ demonstrated humility, and another word for humility is submission. Christ demonstrated humility and obedience to the Father. Not only did Christ subordinate himself to the Father in order to redeem us who are presently saved, but the many lost souls yet to be saved, all the entire elect. Romans 4, verses 23 through 25. Now it was not written for his sake alone, that is, for Abraham's, that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Man's redemption would not have occurred if Christ had not yielded, or in other words, subordinated himself to the Father in order to accomplish the covenant of redemption. 
Our text verses in Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, providing us God's essential instruction for the marital relationship, explicitly address God's pattern for leadership within the marriage and family in further detail. Let's look at Ephesians 5, verses 22 through 24. Wives, submit yourself, subordinate yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, as part of your obedience and devotion to the Lord. It's not husband worship, it's Lord worship. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife by God's design and purpose. Have we not, we're reading that right now, right? It's God's will and design, not man's. Even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Verse 24, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, and that word subject, the Greek word is hupotasso, and that's actually the same Greek word as submit in verse 22. It means exactly the same thing. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wise be to their own husbands in everything. Notice there's no restriction on the wife's subjection to her husband. As long as the husband is not requiring the wife to violate one of God's moral principles. For example, going to church. God commands us to do that in Exodus 20, verse 8. In these verses, God reveals to us his will concerning the blueprint for authority in the family and in the church. This is the precious privilege we have as his children. We possess the word of God knowing the Word of God, discerning the Word of God through the Spirit. Deuteronomy 29.29 and 2 Peter 1.19 tells us that. Just as Christ is the head of the church, directing the church body and the church, placing itself in subjection to Christ's headship, so the husband is the head of the wife and family, directing the family body. The wife placing herself in subjection to her husband's headship. You see the pattern? It's clear. The idea here is not that the husband is superior to or better than the wife. Therefore, the wife should and must submit to him in slavish, eternal servitude. I don't think anyone would argue that men and women have their own unique strengths and weaknesses. There might be some that would argue, right? But most would not. One sex is not better than the other, just different created by God for different purposes. The scriptures teach the man and the husband, excuse me, the scriptures teach the man and the husband was created for leadership, the woman and wife to be a helper for the man, thereby completing him. 1 Corinthians 11, verses 7 through 9, the Bible says, For a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man, for the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. So the woman was made after the man, out of the man, and for the man. Genesis 2.18 And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him an aid or an helper to help the man. Genesis 2, 20 through 23. And Adam gave names to all the cattle 
and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found, and help me for him. Out of all of God's creation, Adam found no help me. Verse 21, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. A Bible commentator, John Trapp, said this, And would it not be ill-favored to see the shoulders above the head? And that would be a funny sight, wouldn't it? It would certainly be an unusual sight if we saw someone's shoulders up here and their head down here, right? Living according to God's ordained roles for the husband and wife relationship produce harmony, order, peace, happiness, and many blessings within the marital relationship, within the home, and ultimately society. When God's ordained roles are not followed, at best there is strife and struggle in the home. At worst, broken homes and divorce. Because of the fall, the wife's wife's natural desire is to be self-ruled, or to rule over or dominate her husband, resulting in a struggle of self-wells, rather than the wife submitting to the headship of her husband. Submission is a spiritual act of worship, devotion, faith, trust, and obedience to God on the part of the wife. The wife's submission to the husband's leadership is not to be commanded or ordered or otherwise forced by the husband, but should be performed by the wife voluntarily and lovingly out of sincerity of heart from a desire to please God and ultimately to be in submission to him. Now, my wife, if I could, I don't know, pick you out or pick on you. <laughs> but my, my wife submits to my God-given, right, God-ordained leadership. Now, why does my wife do that? Does she do that because I command her or order her to do it? No. <laughs> does she do it because I always make the best decisions? I mean, I never get it wrong. No, she doesn't do it for that reason at all. And those who know us well know that it's not true. Does she uh, do it because she knows I, uh, I never make a bad decision? No, she does it. Why? To be in submission to God, to be in obedience to God and glorify Him. To glorify and honor His purpose for her life. We should all do that, shouldn't we? The point of Ephesians 5, verses 22 through 24, is a spiritual wife understanding that God's will and desire for leadership within the marriage is for her to be in willing subordination to her husband. Not that she is subordinate, another word for that would be inferior, but she is willingly subordinate, but she is to willingly subordinate herself for God's purpose and glory does in fact willingly subordinate herself to her husband. Jesus Christ, who is co-equal with God the Father, one in essence, 
and the Bible tells us in Hebrews 1, 3, the express image of the Father, demonstrated this principle of subordination when he subordinated himself to the Father by becoming a man. Notice also that the principle of submission is unqualified, meaning it applies to every Christian wife regardless of her own abilities, regardless of her education, knowledge of scripture, scripture, spiritual maturity, or any other qualification in relation to her husband, and regardless of his spiritual condition or personal worthiness. What does that mean? Be careful who you marry. Be very careful, Christian woman, who you marry. Are you equally yoked? Hopefully you consider this strongly before you marry. But even beyond that, are you spiritually aligned? Is this a new Christian that can't lead you? Because they're still, they're still drinking the milk of the word? Very important questions. Very important considerations. The spirit-filled wife recognizes that her husband's role in providing leadership is not only God-ordained, but is a reflection of Christ's loving, authoritative headship of the church. God places the ultimate authority and responsibility for the family upon the husband and father, not the wife. The responsibility for leadership and the success of the marriage and family squarely rest upon the husband's shoulders. Thus, husbands and fathers are accountable to God for their marriage and their family. Upon firmly establishing the husband's headship and responsibility within the marriage and the family in Ephesians 5.25, the Lord provides husbands with specific instructions on how to fulfill their leadership role, beginning with the command for husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. The husband's supreme responsibility within marriage is to love his wife. But what does it mean to love your wife? What are the characteristics of this love? Ephesians tells us the husband is to love his wife with a sacrificial, purifying, caring, unbreakable, Christ-like love. Christ's love for the church is the standard and model husbands are to emulate in their relationship with their wife. So if you're taking notes, this would be point A. <laughs> love your wife with sacrificial love. Love your wife with sacrificial love. Ephesians 5.25 Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. What did Christ do for the church? He sacrificed himself for her, didn't he? Christ gave everything for the church, even his life. What more can anyone give than your life? There's a lot of mixed up thinking and notions today about what love truly is. For example, that love is a feeling that comes and goes. Essentially, love is a romantic impulse or romantic feeling instead of a sacrifice, instead of a commitment, a vow, or a choice we make to love. That love is something that, quote-unquote, happens to you. 
And because love is something that happens to you, you can fall in or out of it. Love sweeps you off your feet. People wait for love to come to them. In effect, they are waiting for what love can do for them instead of what authentic love requires. These are all romantic beliefs about love that are ill-founded and unrealistic. True love requires action. What better model to look to than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Christ died for us, though we are unworthy sinners. We didn't deserve his love, yet it was freely given by his own initiative, by his own action, if you will. Not because of any merit in us, not because of any charm, appeal, or value we have, nor any advantage or benefit we give Christ in return for his love. Christ's love for us is not a reward we earn. It is purely a sacrifice he chose to make on our behalf. The ultimate definition of sacrificial love. This is the standard husbands are to follow. Acts 20, verse 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth, or showcased, his love toward us, and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Christ's death on the cross was the greatest demonstration of divine love in all of history. Romans 8, 38-39, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Praise God. Which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Christ's love is an eternal, undying, unchanging love we can never be separated from. Charles Spurgeon, in a, one of his sermons called A Glorious Church that he preached at the Metropolitan Tabernacle, May 7, 1865, said this about love. Quote, A husband loves his wife with a constant love, and so does Christ his church. He will not cast her away today, uh, tomorrow, having loved her today. He does not vary in his affection. He may change in his display of affection, but the affection itself, itself is still the same. A husband loves his wife with an enduring love. It never will die out. He says, till death us do part, will I cherish thee. But Christ will not even let death part his love to his people. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. A husband loves his wife with a hearty love, with a love that is true and intense. It is not pure lip service. He does not merely speak, but he acts. He is ready to provide for her wants. He will defend her character. He will vindicate her honor because his heart is set upon her. It is not merely with the eye that he delights now and then to glance upon her, but his soul has her continually in his remembrance. 
She has a mansion in his heart from which she can never be cast away. She has become a portion of himself. She is a member of his body. She is part of his flesh and of his bones, and so is the church to Christ forever and eternal spouse, unquote. Can we as husbands love as Christ loves? Can we? I know I can't love as Christ loves. Christ's love is infinite and perfect. We can't love as Christ loves. However, Christ's love is the standard, nonetheless, we as husbands are to emulate, that we are to strive for. Scripture never lowers the standard on account of our inability or weakness to meet the standard, any of God's standards. So the gauntlet has been thrown down, the challenge given to love our wives and give ourselves to them as Christ loved and gave himself for the church. Do you love your wife as much as Christ loves the church? With Christ's love as a standard, the challenge is there is always room to grow. We can always love our our wives more than we do. There is no possibility of loving our wives too much, nor sacrificing too much for them. So, three quick points here. How a husband is to love his wife sacrificially. Three, three points here. Point number one. We're to love our wives sacrificially with consideration. With consideration. 1 Peter 3, 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. By now you're probably saying, Brother Tabor's really stepping in it tonight, right? He's like hitting all these, uh, all these tough, sensitive areas, right? Every spirit-filled Christian is to be humble, submissive, a humble, submissive, loving Christian to others and reverence to God. In Ephesians 5, look at verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So what I mean by submission is possessing a lowliness of mind or a deference to others, esteeming others better than yourselves, as Philippians 2.3 tells us. This applies to the home as well as the church. Applies to everywhere. A Christian husband needs to submit to the loving and sacrificial responsibility of taking care of his wife and subordinate his needs for the needs of his wife, whether she's a Christian or not. Well, Pastor Smith is a good example of that, of putting his wife's needs above his own needs. Peter instructs us in 1 Peter 3.7 to live with our wives according to knowledge and understanding. This goes without saying, but in order to lead our wives with wisdom, we must know them intimately. We are to understand and know our wives so that we can properly express our love for them by sacrificially meeting their needs as well as their desires as we can. This requires deliberate attentiveness and sensitivity to our wives. What better way to know our wives than taking the time to listen to them 
which I will admit that's not my best trait. I like to talk, right? So it's hard to listen. But we need to listen to our wives so that we understand their thinking, their feelings, their concerns, and know their needs, their desires, their affections, aspirations, dreams. It covers it all, right? Point number two, how a husband is to love his wife sacrificially with chivalry. With chivalry. That means gentlemanness. We know from scriptures, such as Galatians 3.28, that our wives are not spiritually inferior to us, but are equal. So let's look at Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So why then does Peter say the wife is the weaker vessel? Peter is reminding us husbands that our wives do not possess the same physical strength that we do and as a result need our protection, our strength, and our provision. To provide these things for your wife is to love her. I'll never forget when Melissa and I were dating. And I've told the story before, maybe you heard it. But we were dating, and she has an older sister, a couple years older, and they used to kind of wrestle and fight, and I think they were pretty much equal in their strength and stuff. <laughs> and I was younger, right, and definitely stronger and in shape. <laughs> and she wanted to wrestle, and we had some stuff on the ground. She wasn't going to get hurt. And she went to, like, lunge at me or something. I just kind of grabbed her and, like, threw her down on the ground with one arm. <laughs> And I think, I mean, the expression on her face, she just could not believe it. It was like, she could not believe how much stronger that I was than her. Worse, men are stronger, aren't we? We're physically stronger. I was about to say something about (laughs) men competing with with women in these sports and the effect it's having on, on women's sports, but... We'll skip that, so. All right. Okay, point, point number three. How a husband is to love his wife sacrificially with companionship or communion. Your wife is an heir and equal with you of the grace of life. Meaning God's grace now and glory forevermore hereafter. And there is no disparity in God's grace. The wife is a fellow believer and heir, sharing in the love and favor of God. As such, the Christian husband is to cultivate a loving and intimate companionship with his wife. Song of Solomon 2.16 says, My beloved is mine, and I am his. He feedeth among the lilies. The intimacy and sacredness of the marital relationship between believers is to be a visual expression of Christ's love for the church. By the way, if your wife is an unbeliever, the principle to love your wife and be a companion to her still applies. That through your loving Christ-like behavior, you might win her to Christ. So see, see 1 Peter 3, 1, where it talks about applying that to wives, the wise behavior, winning her unsaved husband by her conversation or her behavior. The husband is not the Lord over his wife, 1 Peter 5.3. 
leading by domination, intimidation, or manipulation. The scriptures provide us ample examples of what spiritual leadership looks like. Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. First Peter, or excuse me, First Timothy 4.12. The Bible says, Let no man despise thy youth. Be thou an example of the believers. In word, in conversation, once again meaning behavior, in charity, in love, love towards others. In spirit, in faith, in purity. When Peter wrote these God-inspired, transformative words of the Christian faith, instructing a husband to be a companion to his wife, in First Peter, this was completely foreign, a completely foreign concept in the Greco-Roman culture of his day, and was contrary to all pagan societies and religions. Wives were not generally treated as friends or companions, or even with respect but rather were expected to run the household and bear children. Christianity elevates the woman and the wife to a state worthy of respect and esteem, elevating all of society. That's unique to Christianity, to the gospel. The marital relationship is one of the richest blessings of God's grace in this Short temporal life. Ecclesiastes 9.9 9, Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy life. Of thy vanity. This temporary and transitory life. Which he hath given thee unto the Son all the days of thy vanity. For that is thy portion in this life. For that's your happiness in this life. And in thy labor the fruits of your labor, which thou takest under the sun. Proverbs 5.18, Let thy fountain be blessed, and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Notice the longevity there, too. Right? Marriage ought to be forever. That's God's plan, right? Marry, and that's it. Together forever. The Christian husband should love his wife, not for what she can do for him, but because of what he desires to do for her. That is how Christ loves, and what sacrificial love looks like. So just to review real quick before we close. Sacrificial love, what is it? Consideration? Chivalry? Companionship? Husbands? Love your wives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God, for giving us these wise instructions that provide us a, a clear map, a, a clear guideline for our marriages, our homes, have a happy marriage, a blessed marriage, a blessed home, 
We just pray that you'd help us, Lord, to abide by these things. Help our wives to submit to our authority in the home, that they would honor you and glorify you in that way. And help us as husbands to grow in our love towards our wives, to be constantly growing, trying to emulate you, trying to love as you loved. And we give you the praise and the thanks. Thank you for your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Roanoke Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Roanoke Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.